Greetings, Meltopians. If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For $2 a month, you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Meltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer and gain early access to episodes on the Meltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts, and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the ranks of the Melsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters, you can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L- T-O-P-I-A. Now, without further ado, enjoy the show. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The dream seemed to have been badly damaged, forsaken to the hungers of time and purpose. Just a body anchored in brambles, barely resisting the pull of surging currents. Nonetheless, I began to see a unity despite its sundered parts. The fusion of subjects enabled by the monochrome of an ancient photograph, a web of infinite connection. The place was a rusted hacksaw laid against chains, pacing across lusterless iron, wheezing with every effort. It was a sincere effort, if a bit overwrought. The madness seemed in a rush, trying to beat the clock, win some kind of race. Or perhaps that's just the way it appeared to a mind too long denied the fresh air of a proper dream. Either way, the place was entirely delightful. The nowhere had passed the torch of light to another and equally unconventional form of illumination. Gone was the freestanding shaft of broken daylight, and in its stead, a brilliant rain, liquescent fireflies falling like tiny comets from an uncertain sky. I cursed myself for trying to deduce its nature and function, realizing I'd been too well fed upon the doldrums of solid worlds. I lifted my face into the sky's offering, allowing the rivulets of light passage into the deep scars of my face, 
filling my smile with flowing fire. I summoned forth my sisters, their own smiles set ablaze. The journey was its own destination, another unity, another mystery. I soon glimpsed a structure in the distance, a huge house soaring unstoppable against the falling sky. Its uppermost portions were visible despite their impossible height, slipping the limitations of ordinary spectacle. Delightfully, this was not only a house of grand design, but an aggregation of dilapidated tenant buildings, a beautifully endless complex of apartments. As I approached the spiraling marvel, I alighted upon the cracked stone of a narrow walkway. The path led into and around a forest of crooked property markers, broken bird baths, and close-packed hordes of tacky lawn ornaments. At last, I stood before the building, beneath the second rain. Cartwheeling pain chips cast off from the curdling exterior of the towering hovel. The wind narrowed to a whisper allowing a single contrasting note of air to sound out the appropriate awesomeness of the moment. In its turn, stepping out from behind the thin curtain of sound, came the relentless creaking of the rambling monolith, the unsteady balance of countless buildings standing atop each other's rickety shoulders. I drew as close to the structure as I could, without losing sight of its swaying top, enjoying how it conducted my vision into the boundless sky my sight pulled into forever. Looking back over the path I'd followed to arrive at such a marvel, I watched as the ghost of the glowing rain rose again as a softly radiant mist, threatening shapes wandering its dimly visible interior. It was only the specter of violence that at last caused my father to stir from his rest, yet I was in no mood for the distraction of bloodshed. The spire called. The place admitted me without resistance, the large door atop a teetering, rotting porch swinging open upon barely solid moorings. The heady odor of melancholy tumbled beyond the threshold. The wood of the lobby was so soft, it felt like carpeting beneath my footsteps. The surrounding walls wore their water damage like museum art, each tone of orange and brown expertly laid into their death and the consequent birth of mold. Failing pillars of counterfeit alabaster barely hefted the cathedral ceiling above my head. They had failed altogether in numerous places, spilling the guts of the second story across the fungal floor. The discount simulacrum of a Grecian lobby contrasted wonderfully the unapologetic cheapness of the succeeding rooms, each more wonderfully warped than the previous. The barely perceptible lights were like the gray stars of some forgotten, dilated sky, hanging limply atop clouds of meandering dust. Faint sounds of movement, television game shows and domestic disputes dripped down from beyond dense barriers of water-swollen support beams and mold-fattened insulation. Every inch the miserable glory of abandoned things, the idols of truest depression, the art of despair. All of it squeezed into a single, infinite dunghole. After only a few exquisite moments of exploration, the lights began to flutter, lilting into near darkness and dimming into sallow bleakness, a fruiting corpse smeared across dissolving walls. 
I hope the effect foreshadowed some wonderful event, a brief distraction to buy the next performance time for a proper showing. I was not disappointed. Within moments of the flickering, a vast emptiness came over the atmosphere, a clearing out of unseen spaces for the facilitation of a massive predator, a kind of living melancholy. It descended upon me through the distilled sadness that comprised the kingdom of apartments. It was the sum of all tears gone hopeless and dry in their ducts, inscrutable for their infinite smallness, an elemental of purest failure. I could feel it grasping desperately at quite particular parts of my mind, if not my soul, seeking out what most resonated with its highly selective dietary needs. Fortunately, I am not a despairing creature, nor am I one to hold on to my failures, so I offered little by way of sustenance. I was about to chide my invisible attacker over the futility of its quest, when it finally managed a handhold somewhere within the thoroughly broken parts of me. What afforded the scrabbling sorrow its traction appeared to be a bit of submerged memory. The recollection was rigid and cold, like the touch of a machine god. I could feel it approaching realization with the determination of a bloated corpse returning to the water's surface. And so, I departed one lost memory for another, more deeply recessed remembrance. I found myself in a familiar darkness beneath a terrible storm. Thunder and lightning surged across the blackened sky. Mother lay dead in my arms, her blood hot upon my tongue. It was not the copper of ordinary blood, but the sweet fire of roses and secrets, all of it burning quietly behind my lips. The flesh of her heart glided down the back of my throat. That's when I realized the vanishing nowhere was true to its name. Not some kind of battered dream. It was a vision on the cusp of being entirely forgotten, filling itself up with anything that might weigh it down, to keep it from the jaws of nothingness. My buried shame was nothing but a flailing lifeline for the grasping, and I was in far more danger than I knew. Even as I kept my memories just out of reach of the clutching gloom, I could feel nothing but pity for the dream on the very rim of death. My denial of its will to survive sent explosions of hypocrisy blooming into my darkness, illuminating my many scars from the dead mother, where some of her still remained, like an infection, growing tumorous, trying to fill me with all the convictions of the weighted dead. Convictions such as the will to survive despite all else, a singular cosmic drive, overthrown only occasionally when the survival of the group takes precedence. And there I was, trying to cast out a drowning man from my tiny lifeboat, the fear of capsizing making a worried coward of me. My next action should have been my first. I held out a terrible memory, and then another, and another. Hand-feeding the desperate dream brought it into me, where it began to lay down deep, thirsting roots, anchoring itself to my many and hidden woes. But the painful reacquaintance with my neglected past was prerequisite for the dream's survival. It fed upon me till it was drunk and fat from ripest misery. Drab walls renewed themselves in thick sheaves of liquescent wood rot and scuttling vermin. And so the temple to depression blossomed like a blackened meadow filled with burning flowers strong with the scent of smoldering beauty. 
In the distance, far above me, I could hear the construction of a new room. A live-born space of specific horror. My horror. Where the blood of my new family outlined the places where I had slain them. Where I had eaten them. The room retreated from me. I was a spent morsel. A husk. Perhaps I'd always been empty, I was forced to consider, and had only just nursed a void. Over the course of my many and sundry battles, I'd been struck by creatures and gods alike, and kept my feet, but never had any blow diminish me so thoroughly as the memory which now stood revealed. I collapsed to the ground, and for my troubles, the apartment house mimicked the sounds it had plucked from my ultimate sadness. No doubt the equivalent of turning a canteen upside down an attempt to coax one last drop of nourishment from its hiding place. A terrible memory came spilling from without my overturned mind of the time when I took them all from the world. They could vanish from sight within an empty white room, sever the spine of a charging razorback in seconds, scale a wall like skittering spiders. My sisters were, in every pore of their souls, hunters. That night, beneath storm and darkness, we played one last game together, with knives and smiles and blood and death. It was our mother's wish that we do so. It was necessary, and we understood why. I remember when they tricked me into that attic. With vanishing footfalls and feigns aplenty, their abrupt laughter coming from impossible places, knives sliding across my skin like bladed breaths. The tiny room seemed to shrink, closing in on me, denying me the use of my strength. When the door closed from behind, they were upon me. Their speed was inhuman, moving over and across me with their blades dragging behind them, freeing my blood into the darkness, giggling like pull-string dolls eyes blacker than funerals. I dove into the deepest silence I could manage, hoping to lose them in my wake. But it was no use. I was trying to outswim barracudas. They were only toying with me, and we all knew it. It was the nature of our game. I could never hide from them, never evade them. At the best of times, I was only their plaything, and that night, the worst of times, my heart wasn't in it at all. I could never hurt them, not even for mother. I just sat upon the floor, waiting for them to take me. My whole purpose forfeited. My test failed. I wasn't the one my mother needed. I lowered my head in surrender. While I could not hear them, I knew they were standing over me. My wonderful sisters. It will be our secret, dear brother, they said in whispered unison. I could feel them slip my bone-handled blades into my limp hands, the knives which formed the principal scaffolding for my skills with a blade. They were warm and wet with blood. My sister's blood. As my sisters had drawn them across their own throats, it was all they ever wanted in the world, to join me in spirit. Here was the real test, to see the task completed without shedding a single tear. I held the two of them close, their whispered blood falling across my shoulders and down my back. Gossamer waterfalls of bottomless red. Their sweetened smiles were like hot tears against my skin, and they whispered again. 
Whatever joy is left in this world, dear brother, we will find it together as one. Now, do what you must, what we all must. There was no visual memory of what came next, only the deepest refusal for knowledge. A pictureless recall of events wrapped in such darkness as I've never known, before or since. I do not know if I cried. I hope that I had. Test be damned. Afterward, the floor shook as if the world were coming apart beneath the rage of a mad god. My father would not come to me like a lamb, but as a lion. His task was violence, pure and red. My forebear's axe moved through the world without resistance, passing through stone and steel as easily as smoke, its killing edge irresistible as time. The old mansion within which we sheltered cracked and split as he charged. When at last we came together in perfect violence, I truly believe the resulting calamity humbled the storm that hung above us, lurking and looking upon our contest with some interest, no doubt. His first blow sent my knives tumbling from my hands where they met the falling axe, casting my body through the air, a wall, and a third-story window. Laughter like the end of the world followed me the entire way, gnawing at the raw tips of my every nerve. What I took for more thunder became the sound of my father smashing through the wall next to the window he sent me through, axe raised above his head, descending from the black, stormy air, laughter exploding past his frothing, gaping jaws. Asserting my own strength, I backhanded the axe's edge to the side, causing the bones of my fist to crack and snap. I threw my shoulder into father's hurtling mass. Reality might have buckled slightly as I denied the inertia of his attack, delivering us both deeper into the dilapidated manse, crashing through its layers and roaring through what was left of its cellar door. The underground darkness was quick to obliterate us, but not before I hoisted the axe-bearer from where he struggled upon my shoulder and threw him into the churning pitch. Not entirely to my surprise, there came no hint of the giant man crashing down. Only empty silence waiting to be filled with a din of war. My father, like myself, was friend to both darkness and silence. Suddenly, that silence broke as my father's axe was tossed carelessly into a corner, clanking down upon the cold stone. Then came the sound of stiff joints being cracked loudly, in preparation for a final confrontation of the most primitive and brutal kind. A voice exploded through the darkness. Come, boy. Show me what you've learned. His fist struck like a hammer, pulping gums and ejecting several teeth, freeing blood into the sheltered darkness. I needed to demonstrate my mettle, become the staunch anvil the hammer was struck against, and so I proved worthy of his first blow. I still stood, if only barely. Unfortunately, the same could not be said after his succeeding attack. I was thrown from the floor and sent crashing into the damp stone, my bones screaming their limits, my mind exploding into sparks of pinwheeling awareness. His third blow struck the wall, ancient rock yielding to an oversized fist, as I'd recovered enough to sidestep. Lurching forward, I launched my own oversized fist back into the fray, where it collided with rows of exposed raw red teeth 
father's perpetual rictus grin. He was every inch unfazed, if dispossessed of several of his own teeth. Every bit my father's son, it was my second blow that took him from the earth. He smashed through a nearby support beam, bringing some of the ceiling down, roaring indignation through dust and collapsing wood. Not wasting a second on the spectacle, I charged through the avalanche, leaping up and delivering an airborne kick, all my weight and strength doubled by inertia squarely into his chest. The giant flew backwards into the blackness of an adjoining room. Silence again. I couldn't afford to lose my momentum, which was my father's hope, no doubt. I rushed into the room prepared to seize and smash whatever I came upon. My father had always been an enigma to me, his scars, his monstrous demeanor. But even more than that, his violence. It was anarchy, one moment he was raging, the next cold as winter stone, affecting no predictable cadence to his chaos. Here was no different. As I surged into the room, a soft encumbrance met with my left foot, tripping me face first into the wall. More rattling teeth and bones. I had neglected to notice the huge foot sticking out, patiently waiting for me to run into it. My father was as much fox as wolf. It was utterly dark, so I might have been forgiven for thinking my opponent had taken a sledgehammer to my kidneys, but I knew better. His fists were no less, if not more than tools made for splitting rock. Pain dropped me to the floor, and before I had a chance to roll to my back, a great booted foot stomped me into the wet stone. I had become only an insect to be crushed out of existence. Nothing more. Repeatedly came the thunder of my father's devastating footfalls, each monstrous impact compromising both the scaffolding of my body and the integrity of the floor. His booming laughter grew with every crunch and crackle my body gave up. Yet anger was not the sole ally to my father. Summoning my own fires, I vanished in a plume of vagrant darkness my father's gigantic foot passing through empty space. In an instant, I rose up before my forebear, my massive fist swinging upward. The attack was weighted with as much anger as the need to impress. Even in a battle to end his life, I would make him proud. His head snapped backwards, offering me only an instant to act. I seized the exposed throat of the man who had raised me, imparted his exquisite violence, made me a man, and I tore it out. But death would not take my father without a fight. As I should have known, I was seized in a monster's death grip and smashed through the solid rock of another wall. He released me only long enough to rain down fists like meaty comets, pounding me unrecognizable. I gave him his last rage, and so let my arms drop to my sides. I was thankful for all the blood, as it concealed my tears from him, a gesture he would certainly have disapproved of. His attack slowed until he finally collapsed into me. His final words as a living man came out in a hiss of air and blood. Boy, I fought this rotting world and lost. But because of me, you whelp. You will not. In darkness and blood and death, I held my father for the first time. But it would not be the last. <laughs>